Part Four Epilogue of Organic Evolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Krantz. Organic Evolution by Richard Swan Lull. Part Four Epilogue The Pulse of Life. The stream of life flows so slowly that the imagination fails to grasp the immensity of time required for its passage. But like many another stream, it pulses irregularly as it flows. There are times of quickening, the expression points of evolution, which are almost invariably coincident with some great geologic change, and the correspondence is so exact and so frequent that the laws of chance may not be invoked by way of explanation. The geologic changes in the pulse of life stand to each other in the relation of cause and effect. This statement does not, however, imply the acceptance of the Lamarckian factor any more than that of natural selection, for whether the influence of a changing environment acts directly upon the creature's body, or indirectly through induced habit, or whether it merely sets a standard to which animals must conform if they would survive, matters not. The fundamental principle remains that changing environmental conditions stimulate the sluggish evolutionary stream to quickened movement. Many of these pulsations have been described in the foregoing pages, and in each instance we have attempted to define the physical change which served to accelerate the flow of life. And in almost every successful attempt we have found the immediate influence to be one of climate, either of temperature or moisture variation due sometimes to topographic, at others to general atmospheric conditions. Back of these climatic changes lies, as one of the great fundamental causes, earth shrinkage, with a consequent warping of the crust, which produces mountain ranges and enlarges the lands. Thus it will be seen that the most momentous changes, so far as influence on life is concerned, may have, geologically speaking, a very simple basic cause. In so far as we can recognize cause and effect, the record of the crises of evolution stands as follows. For the origin of life itself, there is no known geologic cause other than the gradually attained fitness of the earth as the abode of organic beings. Nor do we surely know of any geologic event which impelled the lime-secreting habit of animals and plants, and thus made possible an adequate fossil record of their life. This habit was attained, however, by the animals in the upper Cambrian, and much earlier by the water-living algae among plants. The origin of vertebrates, another event of high importance, occurred much earlier than mid-Ordovician time, for in rocks of that period are preserved fossils which indicate that chordate evolution was already well along upon its course, as the creatures recorded are highly specialized armored offshoots of a primitive stock. The main dynamic, and hence anatomic, distinction between vertebrates and invertebrates lies in the fact that the former are principally active motor types, while the latter, with some striking exceptions, such as the predaceous cephalopods, are sluggish non-motor organisms, many of which are actually sedentary in their habits and adaptations. That this evolutionary distinction is largely the result of habitat seems evident, the vertebrates being a response to dynamic waters, the invertebrates to static. 
the origin of vertebrates therefore implies no more than quickened rivers and inhabitants of right potentiality it could not in all probability have occurred either in the sea or in land waters borne upon a flat topography hence we should look for a great diastrophic movement or elevation of the lands such as would accelerate the flow of terrestrial rivers for in all probability a potent stock possibly worm-like forms had peopled the sluggish waters for a long period antecedent to the actual change several such movements are recorded during pre-cambrian time but that of the epiproterozoic interval seems to fill the time requirements best of all as the others are immeasurably remote another event of immense importance to future evolution was the emergence of the vertebrates from their limiting aquatic environment that this emergence was by way of the strand from sea to land seems hardly probable for no phylum of animals has ever chosen this readily available route isolated genera or even species which collectively form rare exceptions to the lebensweise of their allies have traversed this road but there is not sufficient stimulus to produce a notable migration the vertebrate emergence was from the rivers to the lands and the impelling cause the increasing aridity consequent upon the silurian uplift this reduced the abundant rivers to sluggish streams and finally to residual bodies of water imperfectly oxygenated which placed a premium on lung breathing on the part of the contained fishes when the final dwindling of their habitat left them stranded such as could become exclusively air-breathing survived giving rise to the amphibia but those which could not perished except that in some remote asylums where a vestige of their habitat persisted the lungfishes also survived for their descendants few as to kinds are still extant with the recurring moisture of the coal measures amphibia throve and multiplied returning to the ancestral waters seasonally to bring forth their young but toward the latter part of the mississippian increasing aridity and reduction of temperature are again manifest making this annual return less readily possible and stimulating the evolution of the exclusively air-breathing reptiles in early permian recurs the same chain of events continental rise increased aridity and this time glaciation especially in the southern hemisphere the following triassic period was also a time of aridity amelioration of climate coming only after its close reptiles being already established the climatic conditions stimulated an event in the evolution of terrestrial animals second in importance only to their emergence the origin of mammals aridity paved the way by developing active types among the reptiles and this was apparently a necessary antecedent to the establishment of warm blood through quickened metabolism and raising of the body off the ground increasing cold then placed a premium on ability to maintain this activity beyond the limits of the shortening summers and this could only come about through the acquiring of a constantly maintained temperature in other words of warm blood out of one reptilian stock arose the warm-blooded quadrupedal mammals and out of another the warm-blooded bipedal birds the former however were kept so effectually in check during the mesozoic apparently by the dominant reptiles that their known evolution amounts to but little until eocene time 
Aridity in the Triassic, necessitating swiftness of motion, seems to have given rise to the bipedal dinosaurs, just as aridity and bipedality among modern lizards are the result of similar association of cause and effect. Climatic oscillation, giving rise to humid conditions during the Jurassic, furnished an amphibious habitat, which tempted the increasingly large Sauriscian dinosaurs to forsake their ancient dwelling-places and abandon the strenuous life of a carnivore for the slothful ease of an amphibious herbivore, and their extinction in the later Comanchean may have been due in part at least to a restriction of their habitat. The cause of dinosaurian extinction at the close of the Mesozoic is yet unknown, but the fact that it was coeval with the worldwide Laramide revolution which must have given rise to a far-reaching chain of results, gives evidence that here we have again a basic geologic cause. It cannot be doubted that the cause or causes of dinosaurian extinction were an indirect stimulus to the first great deployment of the archaic mammals after their age-long suppression during the Mesozoic. The archaic mammals, in turn, met their fate largely through the competition induced by the incursion of the modernized orders, and this again had for its prime cause the fluctuating climate in the north, which drove the modernized hordes from their ancient radiation centers along the several continental radii to the south. It is not without the realm of possibility that the somewhat severer and more variable climatic conditions of their northern home stimulated the modernized mammals to higher evolutionary attainment than did the more equable habitat of the archaic forms. Increasing aridity during the Oligocene and Miocene, due again to continental uplift, gave great impetus to the grasses, which now became the dominant flora of the temperate realms. The effect of this on mammalian life was far-reaching, as it caused the restriction and extinction of many browsing types and a wonderful deployment of the grazing forms horses camels deer and antelopes which are so important a part of the earth's mammalian fauna today finally we have the increasing elevation of late miocene and pliocene especially in central asia the culmination of the evolution of the various races of mammals which man has adopted as his fellow workers the domestic animals and not only were the wolves and cats, the cattle, buffalo, sheep, and goats, the horses and camels, and all the host of the friends of man here finally evolved, but man himself, as a response to the same series of geologic changes by which the others were brought to their final fruition. For variation in amount of moisture and increased cold in the Northland, with the consequent restriction of tropical forests, brought the primate south, and still further cold and aridity reduced to residual tree-clad areas the forests within which dwelt the pre-human these areas were finally destroyed or at any rate so changed in their old tropical prodigality that the human precursor as a means of preservation descended from the trees and became man increasing severity of climate during the periods of glacial advance had a profound influence upon primal man necessitating clothing and a search for and adaptation to diverse sorts of food. Man thus became in a large measure independent of climate, and this was his first conquest of the forces of nature, a conquest which has led to others, so that now he has not only become the dominant form of animate creation, 
but has subjected to his will many of the very forces which through long ages have stimulated his evolution thus time has wrought great changes in earth and sea and these changes acting directly or through climate have always found somewhere in the unending chain of living beings certain groups whose plasticity permitted their adaptation to the newly arising conditions the great heart of nature beats its throbbing stimulates the pulse of life and not until that heart is stilled forever will the rhythmic tide of evolution cease to flow end of part four epilogue recording by pamela Kranz. end of organic revolution by richard swan lull